from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and the Uncommon Good provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences. Learn more at mchs.edu. Welcome, folks, to the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Every week, diving deep into the truth of Catholic social teaching and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. And I'm Dr. Bud Marr. We are coming to you live from these United States of America here in Des Moines, Iowa, in the central time zone, mm. the northern hemisphere. Trying to, We need to learn the coordinates, Bud. Yeah. Latitude zero, longitude. zero, longitude. Yeah, <laughs> that would really, that I think is like what's holding us back. We know that. We'll just get the listeners. any rate, that's where we're coming from. And uh, we both work at Mercy College of Health Sciences. And then we give that latitude number. Oh, oh. this is going to be great. Uh, I'm the... <laughs> the truckers driving through Iowa are going to love it. When that's they, right. They like, pick up our show. 400 clicks from I-235. The the blue chicken has flown the (laughs) (laughs) curtain. We're bringing back CB. Uh, We are not CB, nor are we ham operators at uh, Mercy College of Health Science. There, I am the senior advisor of the President for Mission Initiatives and Spiritual Health and the director of the new Center for Human Flourishing. And Bud, tell the people what you do there at the college. I'm the academic dean at Mercy College of Health Sciences, so overseeing academic affairs and all that comes with that. So, yeah, we are having an exciting time. Not only are we uh, between, well, we're not between semesters anymore. The summer semester started, so we've just gone uh, through the grand migration of uh, spring to summer, uh, thinking about what we're going to do for the fall, but, of course, with everything new from the CDC and the whole world trying to sort of wrap their mind around maybe fall being very different. Uh, than the last year's. Uh, We're a big swarm and hive of activity at the college, but there's always room for you, mchs.edu. Yeah, other colleges have boring lag times, but we try not to let that happen. (laughs) I mean, there's really, there's there's Mercy Plus, there's the legacy or traditional programs, um, accelerated programs, so they do tend to overlap. I mean, we give folks vacations for sure. That's right, that's right. You don't work, you know, 24-7, 365, but it is nice to be at a school with that sort of like constant bustling activity in different areas of the college. Yeah, Mercy College uh, of Health Sciences who underwrites our show, mchs.edu, as Bud's alluding to. Um, we have so many people who have answered the call uh, to get into the service field, uh, extend uh, the, 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 the ministry of healing, as our uh, mission says, towards those in need in the healthcare uh, field, obviously. Uh, in line and extending the spirit of the Sisters of Mercy uh, here in Des Moines, but all over the place wherever our students end up. So mchs.edu if you would like to be a part of that ministry of healing. Yeah, Bo, if we had planned ahead, we would have figured out that Bitcoin was going to drop precipitously this morning and talked about investing on the show. But I guess today, (laughs) instead of that... We'll stick with um, Father Boniface Hicks, the guest this morning, and he's written a recent book, Through the Heart of St. Joseph. It was a blessing during Lent to have our good friend Mike Aquilino on the show. We're going to do talk about St. Joseph again, but it's apropos because the Holy Father has, has called this the year of St. Joseph, so... Thinking about St. Joseph twice during 2021 is not a bad thing. No, I'm actually thinking about that. We were joking <laughs> about uh, getting coordinates and bringing back CB. I'm actually thinking another bad... Uh, transformation we can make for the show is like saint joseph's advice on cryptocurrency yeah and that we would get tons of (laughs) listeners and then we would have nothing to say it would not be no we're gonna avoid that topic for now you know (laughs) 
on a sports-related topic, have you noticed uh, Aaron, the Cardinals are in first place? So. In first place, yes. but Arenado has has homered in four straight games. Yes, and this is like the first time a Cardinals he's third baseman has has pulled this off. So I was going to give John if John Leonetti's out there listening. If Arenado can homer in four straight games, you've got to bring your A game four straight episodes <laughs> on, the, on the radio. I that, know you do, John. That's right. Has, has John? I mean, we're looking back there, you know, in, in the the gallery back here. Has John ever hit four straight home run episodes? No comment. No comment <laughs> is what we were officially getting. Uh, well, no, I mean. Uh, spring, well, uh, spring is definitely in the air, but uh, baseball is also in the air. I know that people are talking about going and uh, watching the old minor league game uh, with the I Cubs coming up. So uh, Des Moines is springing to life. I, if that's why Bud and I maybe sound like we're huskier or raspier than usual, I think that's all the uh, pollen in the yeah. air. Yeah, well, and it's great to see, the, like you said, the Iowa Cubs, they're opening up some of their capacity. The Omaha Storm Chasers are in town this week. So if I go to the game... I'm not sure who I'm going to root for. Probably against the Cubs. Ooh. Not because I dislike Des Moines, but Omaha is my hometown. And, you know, the Iowa Cubs are related to the Chicago Cubs. That's right. Well, so I have to ask this, though. The Storm Chasers, like, what? what's their logo and what's their colors? Well, they've had an interesting history around logos because historic, well, you know, they were the Omaha Cardinals for a time. Right, right. And then my dad went off to Vietnam. When he came back, they were the Omaha <laughs> Royals, um, which he's still a little bit bitter about. But for, So for many years, they were the Omaha Royals. And I kind of liked that continuity. I mean, you knew exactly who they were associated with. But as you know, Bo, minor league teams, they like a little creativity and things with this. So they did – Omaha did a contest to rename the team. And for a time, it was named the Omaha Golden Spikes, which was a tip of the cap to um, – Union Pacific had yep. big headquarters in Omaha, or still does. Uh, but I don't know, Golden Spikes, it didn't catch on. So they went with Storm Chasers, although the logo is not like a nerdy Storm Chaser. It's uh, it's an actual tornado nice. or a twister. Well, I so. might have to get a hat for that. Wichita did the same thing, and God bless Wichita. I love so many people there, <laughs> but they named their team the Wind Surge. <laughs> and we, no one knows how it won. Is the logo cool? No. Oh. <laughs> Wind surge. Yeah, they probably wanted, you know, there's the storm chasers. Like, I think there's teams that are like the hurricane, well, Miami Hurricanes, Twisters. They probably wanted to get unique, but wind surge. Yeah. Does Wichita have wind surges? Uh, it's just windy all the time. It should be called constant wind if it's a Rename thing. it derecho. That's right. Iowa derecho. Well, look, this is the Uncommon Good. We're going to be back right after these messages with our guest, Father Boniface. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr, The Uncommon Good. We're glad to have you here on this Wednesday. Stick around, and we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Folks, if you want to comment uh, on our show on Iowa Catholic Radio, maybe you have uh, a, a name for a mascot we should have, the Wind Surge. Uh, you, <laughs> you can send in your comments to the Zip Whip Line. 515-223-1150. 515-223-1150, the Zip Whip Line. Hashtag UCG for the uncommon good. Uh, we have had a lot of uh, input uh, in the past for things like, should we keep the eagle screech or not, or like get a new uh, animal and stuff like that. Everybody, you know, went with the eagle screech. But I don't know, but if we need a logo, maybe that's the, that, that's how we can get the zip whip line to be used uh, more. But I'm afraid of what people think would represent us well. If you would like to rename Wichita's minor league baseball team, use the zip whip line. No, we do not have that power. 515-223-1150. 515-223-1150. The zip whip line. 
This is the Uncommon Good, and we'll be back right after this. Man up and be part of the Iowa Catholic Men's Conference Saturday, May 22nd at the Embassy Suites downtown, starting with Mass at 7.30 a.m. Speakers include Gary Dolphin and Tim Jamison, hosted by Joe Stopulis and John Leonetti. Learn more at iowacatholicradio.com slash events. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now provided in part by Permar Security, a Catholic-owned family business providing security solutions for homes and businesses since 1953. Permar Security, 515-244-5660, permarsecurity.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning provided by Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company. They specialize in residential re-roofs like commercial jobs. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Bell Construction. There are millions of children that go hungry every day. Thank you to Skeffington's Formalware for supporting Mary's Meals. Their vision is that every child in the world should be able to receive at least one good meal every day in a place of education. Mary'sMealsUSA.org Thank you, Golden Rule Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, for sponsoring my show. John Lee and Eddie in the Morning on Iowa Catholic Radio. Golden Rule, servicing Des Moines for over 15 years. They obey the rules to live by, especially the Golden Rule. Online at goldenrulephc.com. Thank you, Ashworth Vision Clinic, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365 on Iowa Catholic Radio. Ashworth Vision Clinic online at ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic, 515-440-4610. Iowa Catholic Radio and the Iowa Catholic Radio Foundation welcomes country artist Lori Morgan, presented by Mercy One. Lori Morgan. To the Horizon Event Center, July 15th. With Jesse Keith Whitley and Eli Alger. Eli Alger. Learn more at CelebrateCountry.org. CelebrateCountry.org. Sponsored by Valiant Wealth Family Office. Back to the Uncommon Good. Bob Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr joining you this Wednesday. So glad to have you here on the show. Thank you for everyone. Uh, thank you from Iowa Catholic Radio. Make sure to check out iowacatholicradio.com and various ways that you can be a part of what we're doing here. Uh, but again, thank you for listening to the show. Today, we have a guest that I'm going to throw over to Bud to introduce. Yes, our guest this morning is Father Boniface Hicks. He's a Benedictine monk of St. Vincent Arch Abbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. He's co-authored uh, two books, Spiritual Direction and Personal Prayer, but his most recent publication is Through the Heart of St. Joseph, published by Emmaus Road. And uh, Father, just in welcoming you, I have to say, I just moved back from Pennsylvania about six months ago. And when I lived in Pittsburgh, I was always uh, a big fan of WAOB. After a, st- a stressful day at work, I think you might have one of the mo- most peaceful radio stations in the country. Well, thanks, bud. We, uh, we do our best. And... Uh, Jimmy, I have to say I'm jealous of their name. So it's We Are One Body Catholic Radio, W-A-O-B. We need to work on that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Father Boniface, we do want to get to your book this morning. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the book. But I thought to start the conversation today, Bo and I are both converts ourselves to the Catholic faith. And I, I recently came across your interview with Marcus Grodi on the Coming Home Network. And I was wondering if you could um, share with some of our guests uh, a little bit of your background and how you came to the Catholic faith and, and came to your vocation. Sure. I was, 
I was raised without any religious practice. My, my parents were also really raised without any religious practice. Um, but they uh, grew up in the Catholic, the, well, they still a very Christian atmosphere of our country in the 40s and 50s, and very moral people, and formed my brother and me to be, you know, virtuous and have high integrity, but without any uh, explicit religious reference. So I, I went to college having really rejected religion as something passé, something behind the times, something for people who are too dumb to figure it out on their own. And uh, I, a total stranger came up to me when I was at Penn State and invited me to study the Bible with him one-on-one. And his very humble, authentic witness uh, helped me to come to know Jesus through the Scriptures. Uh, along that journey, I had the sense that the Catholic Church was the whole thing, and so when I decided eventually to, uh, when I believed and decided to be baptized, I was <clears throat> baptized Catholic, and by that time had come to know Christ as uh, in, in a very personal way, in prayer, and really desired to dedicate my life to sharing that gift. And so, just a year after my baptism, I entered the monastery here at St. Vincent Arch Abbey, and uh, have had just a, a wonderful journey growing in, in faith and eventually being ordained a priest and now getting the chance to do a, a lot of ministry, sharing prayer, as I felt called to do uh, so many years ago. There at St. Vincent Arch Abbey, of course, um, St. Benedict, as um, like y- you all are dedicated to his charism and the vision that he set forth. You know, St. Benedict lived at a time where there was great turmoil around him and things like that. Uh, our show is about the common good. and In what way do you think... Um, St. Benedict could be a help to Catholics today in thinking about living faithfully in today's world. Well, St. Benedict certainly upheld principles of community, of charity. The the keynote of the rule is really finding God in all things. Mm -hmm. We know that God's presence is always with us, is that kind of keynote of the rule, and he arranges the life of a community with a constant awareness of that sacramental vision of reality. So it's, it's really a different worldview than the one that we've developed, which is um, much more psychologized, uh, sort of a sense of self-defining everything else, a lot more subjective and relative, rather than uh, God's presence pressing into all things and finding Him outside of ourselves, finding Him in, in others, in events, in activities. And so St. Benedict just really helps us to shift our worldview quite a bit, um, mm. certainly also with a focus on the, on the human person. He was more interested in uh, serving and loving people, growing in faith and worshiping God than he was about uh, <clears throat> making money or being productive or... Um, a lot of the things that are really valued in our in our modern day. So, I think those are really critical critical points as well. And and he saw the value of worshiping God transforms things. I mean, it was really the the model of monasticism which transformed, created really Western civilization. Mm-hmm. The spread of monasticism and my own patron Saint Boniface played a critical role in that. As the apostle to the Germans, he was a Benedictine missionary who built monasteries. And, and invited monks and nuns to come over from England to fill those monasteries and to pray, primarily. And he saw the value of that God-centered life and 
what happens when we hold up God as the highest good, as the highest ideal, and then arrange everything else relative to Him, um, then then the other pieces fall into place. When we when we focus on forming utopias, uh, we we always fall short of the the true vision of uh, of God's utopia, of God's heaven, and and our, a life that's really centered on Him. So so I think there's a lot of wisdom to to draw from Saint Benedict in those terms. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. With the, with all of the saints, they I think they refract God's love to us in in different ways. And you know, Saint Joseph is a very different kind of saint in some ways. With Saint um, Benedict, of course, like we have his legacy really preserved, um, as as you intimated through like monastic communities. With Saint Joseph, what was it like writing a book about a saint who we? I, I believe in scripture he never speaks a word, right? We have various um accounts of events that happened in his life, but it was uh how would you characterize the kind of spirituality that, that Joseph models for us? Well the the last chapter in my book is uh I call it the Joseph option because I think it's actually a very Benedictine spirituality. Uh or that is to say Saint Benedict's spirituality is a very Josephite spirituality. I think it's a spirituality similar to what I just said that focuses on the presence of God always with us. Joseph lived in the presence of God uh, those 30 years in, well, in, in exile in Bethlehem, in Jerusalem, and, and in Nazareth mostly. He lived in the presence of God in his meals, in his work, in his prayer, in his family life, in his recreation. He was always in the presence of God in his uh, foster son, Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, he really models a beautiful spirituality of cultivating the presence of God and and then doing everything for God as he provided for his family. He was ultimately providing for God, we could say, focused on uh, dedicating his efforts to the Lord. So St. Joseph teaches us those things. He also teaches us those Benedictine virtues of humility, silence, and obedience in a world that is very noisy, very self-promoting, very proud, uh, we and, and and very self-willed. Those humility, those uh, remedies of humility, silence, and obedience are are just so extremely important. And we see those in Saint Joseph. And those are the the three great chapters on virtue and the rule of Saint Benedict as well. So I think we can really see a Benedictine spirituality and a Josephite spirituality going going together quite well. But in terms of what it was like to write the book, as you point out, Joseph is not quoted in Scripture. Of course, it doesn't mean that he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. He had to say something in order to marry Our Lady, and he had to say something to give Jesus his name. So if we don't know anything else, we know he at least said yet yes to Mary, and he said the name of Jesus. And <laughs> probably that's about all we ought to say ourselves. We'd be in much better shape if we <laughs> focused on those words more than so many others that we that we put together. But at the same time, really there's quite a bit about him in Scripture relative to most of the other characters in Scripture. We, we know more about him than probably all of the apostles except for Peter. Uh, there's almost two full chapters of Matthew's Gospel and two chapters of Luke's Gospel in which he is the protagonist of much of that, uh, much of those stories. Uh, so in scriptural terms, there's actually quite a bit about him, but he remains so hidden for so many centuries in the Church and is really emerging uh, so prominently in our own time that there's a, there's a kind of 
gather. There's been a sprinkling of, of teaching about him, some wonderful things from St. Jerome or St. Augustine or St. John Chrysostom, and then many centuries later from St. Bernard and then St. Bernardine of Siena and then St. Teresa of Avila and St. Francis of Sales, but it's been sprinkled throughout the centuries and takes a fair amount of work to kind of gather those things together. But, but I also, uh, you know, St. Joseph is a real person. And he's a, he's a living saint, of course, and even some, like St. Francis de Sales or St. John the Twenty Third would argue that he was assumed bodily into heaven. And so he is a, he's real, and he's with us. He's in the body of Christ and in a very profound way. And that's really how I approached the book, was through my own relationship with him. I, I didn't want to just write a bunch of ideas or collect a bunch of facts. I really wanted to mm-hmm. write about a person and help others to get to know a person whom, whom I've come to know. And so I, I wanted to be able to kind of validate in my own prayer that the things I was saying were real and, and tangible and things that, that could be brought into, at least into my prayer. Uh, so I hope that they're helpful for the prayer of others in getting to know St. Joseph as well. Father, um, this is Bo. Um, I'm a Benedictine Oblate myself, and so... I think a lot about how both St. Joseph and St. Benedict are patrons of uh, the dying and death, and that this makes a lot of sense, right? Like, Joseph had Mary and Jesus at his deathbed. St. Benedict, of course, in the life of St. Benedict has uh, the not only the, the, the chapter about his magnificent death and the vision he had and his, his monks seeing him uh, go to heaven, uh, but and, and then, you know, his sister's death, and then, of course, everything he sort of did in his life was a preparation for dying well. And, and I've tried to argue that before, that in some way, St. Joseph and St. Benedict are the, the original philosophers of, uh, of Christianity. If we go off of the definition, someone like Socrates says that philosophy is a preparation for death and dying well. Um, in, in line with what you have said, I wonder if that is part of the enduring nature of Joseph and St. Benedict as living figures, that their patronage over a happy death um, might be something that uh, our Christian moment is really calling out for in a world so afraid to think about death, uh, one that had to get reacquainted with it very quickly with all the events of 2020, that maybe St. Joseph and St. Benedict are both reaching out to us, as it were, to help us with this idea as they are both the patrons of a happy death. Well, you developed that very beautifully. You took that farther than I have, actually. I haven't thought about it in terms of being the the ones who know how to live well and thus also how to die well. I got it off of Wikipedia. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm kidding. Sorry. (laughs) I interrupted. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, good. Yeah. That's why I should read Wikipedia. I'm kidding. You know, there's... um, Pope Benedict talks about that very beautifully in Space Salvi. Uh, it's one of my favorite encyclicals, mm. and, and he talks about the image of Christ as the philosopher precisely along the way that you just described, the one who knows the good life, who, uh, through the love of wisdom, is also able to come to a, a good end, we could say, and live a life that's worth living, and, and once fully lived can be handed back over to God. And, uh, and I think you're right. Certainly, St. Benedict, in his wisdom, uh, lived that way. I, I always associate his patronage of a happy death being uh, indicated by the way that he died. One of the uh, 
stories that St. Gregory the Great gives us about St. Benedict is that he wanted to die praising God. We have this uh, huge window in our basilica that depicts this, and so it's very much in front of me uh, on a daily basis. Mm. But uh, St. Benedict wanted to die praising God, and he asked his brothers to carry him to the uh, to the place of prayer, the oratory, where they held up his arms, uh, kind of like Aaron and Hur held up the arms of Moses, and uh, held up his arms so that he could die praising God. And that idea of dying in the, with the help of many brothers, living a life of holiness with the help of many brothers, is, is, the, is the monastic life that he ended up in. It's not the monastic life he started out in. He started out as a hermit, living in a, in a cave in uh, Subiaco, and then was drawn out by monks, and then fully embraced that life. He didn't even die in solitude. It's not like he ever returned to the eremitical life, but he died in, in community. And, and St. Joseph, in a similar way, died in the presence of uh, Jesus and Mary, and, and that's the ideal death. <laughs> that's what we're aiming at, is to die in the presence of Jesus and Mary, that our life would be so permeated by their presence, by their love, by our attentiveness to them and our service of them, our per- being permeated with God's will, that we would really die in their, in their presence. So St. Benedict and St. Joseph themselves had very happy deaths, but as a consequence, as you point out very, uh, very insightfully, of living that that life uh, in in union with God and a life of wisdom, a love of wisdom that they were able to also communicate. And I think you're right. Our our time has such a strange relationship with with death that we our medical science has come so far that we're able to hold off so many things and remedy so many things and heal so many things and we start to get this idea that we could live forever, but. I like what Pope Benedict says in Space Salvi. He's like, we don't want to live forever, really. If eternal life is an endless succession of days on the calendar, like, thanks, but no thanks. I love this life, but I don't want it forever. There's a new kind of life. There's a transformation that needs to take place within us for us to really live forever in eternal happiness. And, and that's the transition that we're also afraid of, because it requires an act of faith, a real surrender to a God who loves us, and we have to actually believe in that love. And so that uh, becomes the, the difficult part. And St. Benedict and St. Joseph were obviously able to come to a place that they could, they could believe in the love that God had for them, and that he would take them to a new kind of life that would be able to, to be lived forever. No, that's actually a great point I'm thinking about. Um, everyone's like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to live forever. And then 2020 happens and everybody like forgets the calendar because every day seems like the last one. And then they're like, "Never mind." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, we're afraid of timelessness. Um, we, we only have uh, about two minutes left before the break. Um, but just to real quick, throw this in speaking about like giving time uh, sort of um, warp and weft, right? Like, so giving time the sort of friction that can allow us to walk forward towards heaven. Um, you know, that, that is, of course, very indicative of, you know, Benedict and his rule, uh, the prayers, ordering the day, all of these things, right, is to say, in some ways, every day as a Benedictine monk is the same, so that every day can be absolutely unique, right? That that's, uh, the, the, maybe sometimes in the secular world, we get this wrong, we have it exactly backwards, we act like if we're going to have, like, no structured time, that we'll have all this freedom, and then um, the time just keeps slipping away on us. Um, but I think something similar happens with Joseph, too, is uh, precisely how you pointed out, because Joseph um, provides a template, um, because we don't get loads of words from him, but we get a sort of definitive 
warp and weft of his life, it starts to make a lot of sense that future generations have really meditated on his life and, so to speak, filled it in um, in order to reflect on the different things that are going on. And again, just, you know, how the time breaks work. We have two minutes, but of all those people you listed that ha- who sort of had insights in the life of St. Joseph, is there one that you would particularly point people to to go consider? Um, well, just to comment on the part of St. Joseph, uh, really the fact that we don't have that much in Scripture or whatever's missing in Scripture is a sign that it was ordinary. And I think that's such a blessing. Who to go to? Go to your own life. Uh, Joseph lived an ordinary life. He lived the life of a workman. He lived a life of a workman who was able to come into the presence of Jesus and, and live in that presence. Humble, simple, poor, faithful, prayerful, mm-hmm. uh, tender. So so look to your own life. Uh, that uh, It can be the life of, of Joseph, a humble workman. But uh, yeah, certainly... Francis de Sales and Teresa of Avila, Andre Bisset, and St. Bernadette are some of the saints that I listed as having lived the Joseph option, having learned how to come into the presence of God and, and to remain there and cultivate that kind of environment for the, for the people around them as well. Well, Father, this is a fascinating. Uh, I'm looking forward to the second half of the, uh, of the show and the next segment where we can dive uh, even more deeply into Joseph's life and what, like you said, that has for us who are called to live ordinary lives, but of course extraordinary uh, because of their transformation through holiness. And in this year of St. Joseph, whom better to contemplate together uh, than about St. Joseph to see how we can do that in life. So when we get done with this break, we'll get right back to it. This is the Uncommon Good, Bob Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Stick around this Wednesday on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be back with the Uncommon Good right after this. Folks, if you want to be a part of the life of Iowa Catholic Radio, check in with all that we're doing. It's easy to do. Just use uh, the old internet and the social media that we are now making sure to be a part of. You can go to the original website, iowacatholicradio.com. Anywhere you have uh, data, anything more than one single datum, you can listen to Iowa Catholic Radio live uh, with the touch of a button. You can go sign up for... Uh, emails so that you can be alerted to everything that we're up to. You can go see uh, all sorts of other stuff, the, the calendars, the, the schedules, all there at iowacatholicradio.com. You can also go to Facebook, follow Iowa Catholic Radio, become our friend, and you can see all of our posts, see what we're up to, see pictures as well. You can go to Twitter, at IA Catholic Radio, and see all of our tweets. And finally, you can download the Iowa Catholic Radio app and then listen live anywhere that you have data. You can donate at iowacatholicradio.com or with the Iowa Catholic Radio app. And then uh, you can also do stuff with Alexa as well that I always mess up, so I'm not going to say it. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back right after this. Iowa Catholic Radio welcomes Matt Marr. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. For an evening of praise and worship to the Jamie Heard Amphitheater in West Des Moines, Saturday, June 12th at 6 p.m. I'm alive, I'm alive because he with special guest Matt Baird, First Encounter, and JMMJ. Learn more at nightfireconcerts.org. Hi, this is Joe Stopulus. Thank you to Construction Professionals for underwriting Man Up. Monday mornings at 9 on Iowa Catholic Radio. Construction Professionals, a Catholic family business built on a strong foundation. cpcustomhomes.com
Thank you, Dental Associates, for supporting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. 515-225-6742. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop, ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Thanks to Blessman International for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Every year, Blessman International leads teams of Central Iowans to share the compassionate heart of Christ with orphans and vulnerable children in South Africa. You can learn more and sign up for a trip at blessmaninternational.org. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. A few more days of rain and then things look fair for the upcoming weekend. We'll be in the mid-70s for the afternoon, a little bit gusty and scattered showers and thunderstorms. A little bit more rain overnight and we'll drop into the mid-60s. And then we have a slightly better chance of showers and thunderstorms coming up tomorrow afternoon. Breezy again and are high in the mid-70s. Lower rain chances on Friday, then the weekend looks fair. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. Back to the Uncommon Good, Bob Honor and Dr. Bud Mark joining you this Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the show. Bud, uh, I think this is sort of like the permanent sort of uh, um, way that we do this on the show, but if we have a guest from the haunts from which you have come from, uh, we let you introduce them. So I'm going to throw it back over to you. Yeah, again, our guest this morning is uh, Father Boniface Hicks. He's a Benedictine monk of St. Vincent Archabbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. He's authored a couple books, Spiritual Direction and Personal Prayer. His most recent publication is Through the Heart of St. Joseph. And I can say, um, I I should mention to our listeners, if you're interested in in finding more about Father Boniface's writings or ministry, if you Google his name, he does have a website where you can learn about uh, some of what he's doing. Father Boniface, thanks for being back with us. You're so welcome. It's my pleasure. So, uh, Father Boniface, it sounds like from looking uh, at your bio that spiritual direction has been a big part of your priestly ministry. And um, I, I know like many married couples will, will turn to spiritual direction or some sort of um, counseling before, um, before marriage. And I was wondering, based on your experience giving spiritual direction and then reflecting on and writing on the life of St. Joseph, what sort of things... Um, can St. Joseph teach fathers today, or how did he model both um, spiritual fatherhood and then foster fatherhood uh, in caring for our Lord? Well, that's a nice uh, question to try and uh, put those two things together. Um, yeah, I don't uh, I don't actually do that much marriage counseling or marriage preparation, but uh, I certainly do work with uh, a number of married men in, in spiritual direction, which tends to be more of a, a lifelong relationship rather than just a couple of meetings here mm-hmm. or there. It's a, it's a way of accompanying people through that spiritual journey, and I guess that we'd really see St. Joseph as being a, a kind of spiritual director. There's uh, Spiritual directors have a form of spiritual fatherhood. Of course, there are women also who do it, who uh, could be seen as spiritual mothers, and St. Joseph provides that um, well, he provides authentic fatherhood for for Jesus, obviously for his son, but it's a it's a committed relationship in which uh, the humanity of the other is formed at the same time that the spirit is directed towards God. And Saint Joseph provides a great example of a 
a spiritual director who also uh, has to be careful about not forming people in his own image and likeness. St. Joseph knew that he needed to help his son be uh, formed in his humanity. Again, he's, Jesus is truly God, but his humanity still needs to grow, and that grows emotionally, uh, grows, uh, humanly speaking, physically, uh, in, uh, under the influence of a father. So St. Joseph teaching his son to focus on the Heavenly Father, teaching his son to be like the Heavenly Father, teaching his son to, uh, you know, to learn the, the law uh, at conceptually in his human brain. Of course, he is the, the Word, the law, in his divine person, in his divinity. But in any event, St. Joseph's focus on raising Jesus would be bringing him into relationship or helping him to interact with the Heavenly Father. And that's what a spiritual director has to do, is uh, certainly enter in, and, the, and the, the relationship is real there between the spiritual director and the directee, and there's a real fatherhood relationship in that spiritual direction. Uh, and at the same time, the spiritual director is always pointing to God and, and helping the directee develop that same relationship or an even fuller relationship with, with God himself in prayer. So, so I guess that would be more of how I would see the inner inner interaction between uh, St. Joseph and, and spiritual direction. Well, Father, that uh, reminds me, so to, to, to bring back a point that we made in the first part of the show, um, the sort of St. Benedict, St. Joseph overlap. Um, one of the things when you get to be a Benedictine oblate is people rightfully point out that a Benedictine monastery is a family, an abbot is truly a father of his monks. So there's a lot of uh, overlap or, or, or spiritual lessons that one can draw um, if you are a father. So, you know, you'll have to give uh, an account before God about how you led your sheep, don't let your children sleep with knives, things like this, right, from the Benedictine <laughs> rule. Um, but this also makes me think about the overlap um, between Benedict and Joseph in, in a sort of another way that gets to this idea of spiritual fatherhood. So as you pointed out um, in the first part of the show, when Benedict dies, he asks to to be uh, carried while he's dying uh, with his last breath to praise God in the oratory. And like Aaron um, holding up Moses's hand in the Old Testament, so, you know, he's a Moses figure. And uh, I've had the chance to teach uh, St. Gregory the Great's uh, dialogues, and especially this life of St. Benedict multiple times. And one of the things you really know is, when you, you notice is Peter, who's sort of the, the person who uh, St. Gregory the Great keeps talking to in this dialogue, he keeps noticing, oh, well, St. Benedict is doing all these things that are sort of uh, recapitulations of what prophets did. So, uh, you know, um, I mean, the very, there's all sorts of various ones, but, you know, even to the fact of, like, you know, commanding one of the novices to go down and um, put a, you know, a, a, an axe head that fell in the water, put it in the water, and the axe head came back on. I, there, there's all these things, oh, striking rocks and water coming out. So Moses, the prophets, and everything like this. And what you start to realize is there's something about the monastic life and the, 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 the idea of an abbot that Benedict lives that shows the connection of the Old and the New Testament. That there, it's really, I, I don't, I'm not saying that like Gregory the Great set out to do this, but there's something about the life of St. Benedict that's very anti-Marcionite, right? That, that God has had a well-ordered house from the beginning of time, and that he's seen this family grow, and that, that, that fatherhood can seem uh, maybe like harsh or commanding, but actually it's always been intended to be tender and, and to, to guide children along. So St. Benedict lives this out. But St. Joseph, in many ways, is the original figure to show this pivot point between the Old and the New Testament. You have John the Baptist 
and St. Joseph, who have always been these two figures about how the Old Testament really is alive in the new, and that there's no doing away with the old, but there's drawing it to completion. So I've wondered if that might be why St. Joseph, to your mind, appeals to people in ways they might not automatically realize, is there's a way that St. Joseph allows the Old Testament uh, to be, as it were, a central figure in the drama of Jesus Christ's life in the Gospels. Well, you have a lot of nice insights. You should write a book. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd have to quote Wikipedia a lot. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm kidding. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, there's a, there's a bringing together of the Old Testament, just as Mary is the finest flower of Israel. Hmm. Uh, Joseph is also, together with her, that kind of finest flower of, uh, of, of Israel's royal race. And um, I just learned the other day, actually, from a priest that uh, one of the ways we can understand that Joseph did not have other sons or other children before Jesus is that they would have been the heirs to the throne instead of Jesus. So it's a nice uh, little insight in terms of talking about the, the virginity of Joseph or that Mary was his only his only marriage. But in any event, he certainly brings together the royal line and the line of patriarchs. Um, St. Joseph is not so much of a prophet figure, I suppose, uh, although his God's communication in the dreams would uh, might lean somewhat in that direction. But he, uh, he brings together those great elements of, of the Old Testament, and so he summarizes the, that, that story of salvation history and seeing that in the big arc, not as something we really have the sense in the modern day that like the world began in the modern day, and to see everything from a big picture all the way from the beginning, and God incorporating and drawing all things together, and that this kind of fulcrum of history that centers around the Holy Family and, of course, ultimately Jesus Christ and the Incarnation, that that, that is uh, really what uh, that, that whole story that God works together, works all things to the good, is what our lives fit into. We're part of something much bigger than ourselves, and that could be intimidating on the one hand, but I find that very consoling and, and kind of exciting on the other hand. So I think there's a, a lot to be said there. And and the stories of the saints, as you say, you know, it's not like we just leave things behind. The way that God operated before, he still operates now because it's the same God. Like you said, uh, opposed to Marcion, who thought there was a sort of evil God of the Old Testament, and we got rid of that and replaced him with a good merciful God of the New Testament, but rather uh, our way of relating with him was a little bit different, but that was our limitation, that wasn't his limitation, and seeing how God's constant loving presence is, is there from the beginning of time and working all things toward this, this consummation of uh, communion that he wants to share with us individually, but also communally, uh, eternally. Is, is something so beautiful. But yeah, certainly Joseph embodies a lot of that in his own person. Um, I think I think his attractiveness for people, though, to be honest, is uh, may, maybe related to that, but I think especially related to the fact that he's so ordinary in so many ways. He's arguably the greatest male saint who ever lived, and he's just like a working man who created stuff that people didn't, safe and that he didn't apply a signature to and that it's not collector's items you know it's 
he just was a working man who took care of his family. He was faithful and obedient, prayerful. He had struggles uh, and, and tried to do God's will and didn't always know exactly what that was. And so I think there's a lot for us to kind of identify with in the, some of the ordinariness of St. Joseph that was brought to an extraordinary level, primarily by love rather than by you know, miracles or other mighty deeds. That's why I think that he's called the terror of demons is because he just has dad energy. Mm. You know, like when your dad's like, <laughs> don't change the thermostat. So like St. Joseph being like the most dad of dad awesome. energy. Yeah. He's just like, don't touch that soul. Just like the thermostat. <laughs> but you had a better question than my point. Well, well, Father, thinking of St. Joseph's, the, the ordinary nature of his existence, like um, one thing I've struggled with in my own spiritual life is the balance between activism and contemplation and of course there's there's a kind of activity in the world that's that's really good and faithful so i think of someone like john paul ii confronting communism or you know saint joan of arc which he was called to but i think in the face of some of the difficulties in the world today or maybe even like the church's situatedness in america there's a way in which we want to set the world right (laughs) And we we believe in our own minds, like we pray, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then we're going to be the ones who, so to speak, bring that about. But I think with St. Joseph, like you're pointing out, you know, he lived in a society that was out of sync with God's will in a number of ways, and yet lived this quiet, uh, I I like that, ordinary, sort of akin to St. Teresa's little way. What what lessons might we take from St. Joseph about trusting in God's providence in the face of, I mean, admittedly serious challenges. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he certainly did face serious challenges, and the, the murderous rage of the local ruler uh, being no small challenge, and, uh, and, and being wedded to the Immaculate Conception who has conceived the Incarnate Word, uh, to whom he's been called to be the Father, is, uh, is also a rather, rather significant challenge. And, and then I think also, you know, actually keeping quiet about all of that. I mean, apparently nobody in town knew that he was living with the Incarnate Word and the Immaculate Conception, and that implies that at least that he didn't say anything about it. And, and how you keep those kind of huge treasures. He was, it's like, yes, I am the most important person in the world, um, you know, but don't worry about that. Uh, he just, his modesty, his humility, his, uh, his sense of service, and uh, just just being the Lord's servant is just so beautiful. But uh, I, I, I think he, he models in... Uh, Really, in his his prayerfulness, his his willingness to keep working, uh, his his willingness to just carry out the daily tasks, uh, as you said, you know, when it's God's will that also brings his his kingdom, Thy will be done, Thy kingdom come, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then also give us this day our daily bread. And Saint Joseph took care of the the bread of life and help to provide the daily bread for the, the Holy Family in Nazareth. And there's something that's valuable about that. Sometimes we get so caught up in the extraordinary, and, and there are extraordinary things happening in the world, and we think that it takes uh, extraordinary interventions to, to right all of the wrongs. And, and, and that's where I do think 
uh, also Roger Ayer's book, The Benedict Option, is helpful for us in focusing on, well, what can we do at a local level that infuses the values of Christian culture in some area around us? Rather than worrying about taking over the world and, you know, putting a Christian ruler on top of everything to rule everything from top down, how can we just transform things close to us and, and begin to develop a leaven from the bottom up? And, and that's where we see St. Joseph, in a way, did in fact save the whole world, and he did that just by raising a boy and being faithful to his wife. And I think that's a great lesson for us. Well, and in one of the things that I, I think is interesting about how St. Joseph is exactly that, but then also, especially increasingly in, in the most recent history of the Church, and by recent history I mean like the recent hundred years, but recent in Church history terms, uh, St. Joseph comes to prominence precisely at the time when um, the idea of the Church as the body of Christ suffers, not defeats, but um, hardships or people contend against this or historical things in the church happen where maybe this is not as easy to see. And so it seems to me that um, the various Holy Fathers, through the providence of God, have alighted on this idea that Joseph is, of course, the foster father for the entire church. And, uh, you know, the, the, the litany of St. Joseph, and then in our time, the emphasis that Pope Francis is putting on um, St. Joseph. But I think that can sound like this is some grand point, but I actually think it's the most basic one which is an ecclesiological one. If we are the body of Christ, then Joseph is our foster father because the Jesus Christ, Joseph was his foster father, right? So when we face the turmoils of the various Herods, of the various flights into Egypt that we as a church must face, it makes sense that the various popes, uh, as time gone on, has said, well, if Jesus himself entrusted his uh, Godhead, uh, you know, fully human, fully divine, to Joseph. Why wouldn't we, who are the body of Christ, entrust ourselves to Joseph as well? And I know that that's a, a big point to make with about three minutes left, but uh, I, I, I throw that to you. And then, um, uh, so if you want to say anything to that, but then also make sure people uh, can know where they can go find uh, more of your work in this regard. Sure thing. Yeah, great. Thanks for uh, those, those beautiful insights again. Uh, you've obviously been thinking about these things, and I, I think that's a wonderful example for our listeners as well to just take it to heart. It's so rich, so many beautiful things to think about there. And and you're so right. The uh, As we are baptized into Christ, Joseph is a father for us, as he was a, a father for for Jesus. And we can also look at Mary as the type and figure of the Church. The Church's perfection in heaven, as the Second Vatican Council declares her to be, and as he was placed as patron over her, then also he's placed as patron over the universal church. That's the inside of Pius IX from 150 years ago, making him the patron of the whole church. So, yeah, we can entrust these things. Go to Joe, as uh, they said in the Old Testament. Go to Joseph, about the, the old patriarch Joseph, and we can say that about our St. Joseph today, taking our prayers to him, our concerns to him, our the worldly problems to him, and just entrusting them to his care. I love the image of the, the sleeping Joseph and just putting little pieces of paper under that statue of the sleeping Joseph and let him take it into his dreams and dream of a better answer, a better world, a better uh, response to the things that plague us today and have him share those with us through the angel. So, um, and, and yeah, happy to have anybody follow my work or... or uh, 
I have a website, fatherboniface.org. You have to spell out father, F-A-T-H-E-R, and then also you have to figure out how to spell boniface, <laughs> B-O-N-I-F-A-C-E.org, and you can find a lot of things there. And then I'm also at St. Vincent Seminary, and I'm the director of the Institute for Ministry Formation. So I-M-F, Institute for Ministry Formation, imf.stvincentseminary.edu. It's another place where a lot of my things are go or placed, and then the books are all available through the St. Paul Center, stpaulcenter.com, and or on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever people like to buy books. But yeah, just happy to share some of this with, uh, with you and with our listeners. Great to be with you today. Well, Father, I just noticed your email about how you had an appointment at 1130, <laughs> so my, my sincerest apologies. I would have... Um, let you go at that time, but we greatly appreciate you sacrificing some of that time, and we'll be sure to do uh, all that we can to help get the word out about your ministry and your book. Um, folks, one other place you may want to check out, Father Boniface has an important role in WAOB in Pennsylvania, so WAOB.org has more on the radio ministry that he's involved in out there. Thank you, Father. Well, Thank fo- you. Great yeah, to be with you. It was wonderful. And uh, folks, like we said, Saint, the year of St. Joseph, you could do no worse than to read uh, those books. Uh, pray to St. Joseph, as it says, go to Joe. Folks, this is the Uncommon Good. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, in our family, our city, our state, our nation, our world, solar system, galaxy, the whole kit and caboodle. This is the Uncommon Good. We thank you for joining us this Wednesday. God bless you, and we'll be back next week. But if folks want to be a part of the prayer life here on Iowa Catholic Radio, what is an easy way for them to do so? Please join us daily in praying the rosary at 5.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 9.30 p.m. We also pray the Angelus are broadcasted on air at 6 in the morning, the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 p.m. The rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplets are both available anytime on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. And, you, oh, go and, ahead. The, and the website now. That is right. Yep. And so, speaking of the website, iowacatholicradio.com, that's where you can go to find all the Iowa Catholic Radio events. The Iowa Catholic Men's Conference is Saturday, May 22nd, at the Embassy Suites downtown, starting with Mass at 7 a.m. Speakers include Gary Dolphin and Tim Jamison, hosted by uh, the magnificent dynamic duo Joe Stopulus and John Leonetti, <laughs> worth the price of admission for them alone. No uh, doubt. Then you have all those speakers on top of that. I want to talk about the Iowa Catholic Radio Golf Classic and point out that you can't come because we have sold out. Uh, We want to thank everybody who's been a part of making this uh, possible, presented by the Liturgical Institute. Uh, But uh, Iowa Catholic Radio Golf Classic, it is so wonderful to have people out back and uh, uh, being a part of the life of Iowa Catholic Radio and, uh, you know, pray for for us on the 23rd. That's right. Pray for our backs. Yeah. I think the fact that it sold out is a testament to um, you all enjoying us in this ministry, and it's amazing that uh, we're you know s- several weeks away still and already have all that backing around the golf outing. That's right. Uh, my elbows already hurt, so please pray for me <laughs> specifically on Wednesday, June 23rd, as I golf for the first time in 30 years. Also, Iowa Catholic Radio Foundation Welsh welcomes country artist Lori Morgan to the Horizons Event Center July 15th with Jesse uh, Keith Whitley and Ella uh, Eli Alger, Alger, excuse me, learn more 
about reserving a table at CelebrateCountry.org. And finally, I just want to say, folks, this ministry, of course, is more than just the folks who are on the radio, more than the people behind the boards or in the offices. This ministry is all of ours together. You contribute to it, not only through your prayers, which we covet very much, your volunteer hours, but also materially. You make this ministry happen. Please consider donating iowacatholicradio.com, where you can hit the Donate button. Iowa Catholic Radio app, where you can do the same. Or 515-223-1150, where you can text and call and donate to our ministry. We're in this together, spreading the word of Jesus Christ in this year of St. Joseph, as we've been talking about, spreading the good word of devotion to the saints like him as well. So, please pray, volunteer, donate. We appreciate all your help to our ministry. Bud, uh, hope you have a good one today there, buddy. Yeah, I'm thinking with the golf outing, maybe we can get a new underwriter who, like some sort of healing. pain relief people, yes. <laughs> healing ointment. That's right. Ibuprofen backing the, uh, the, 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 the uncommon good. Well, this is the uncommon good, folks, and we appreciate your time with us. We look forward to seeing you next week. The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard every week on wonderful Catholic stations like this one and anytime on podcast. Just search for The Uncommon Good. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and The Uncommon Good provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences. Learn more at mchs.edu.